1: Hey there, and welcome
0: to another episode of Strange Planet. Thanks, as always, for sticking me in your ear. And if you'd like to get a little deeper into Strange Planet, you might want to consider becoming a premium subscriber. Just click on the link in the episode notes, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. You gain access to commercial-free listening, bonus episodes, a subscription to my monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, and more. StrangePlanet.supportingcast.fm. All right. We are going to meet a remote viewer. She can teach you or help you develop your remote viewing skills. She is also a noted UFO researcher, author, podcaster, and it's a great pleasure to welcome to the program. Margie Kay, how are you?
2: I'm great. Thank you, Richard.
0: You're down in Kansas City
2: I am down in Kansas City I, on the Missouri side not the Kansas side
0: ah I've been to Kansas City, Kansas and Kansas City uh, Missouri mm-hmm. uh, and I did not know until recently that Kansas City is kind of a UFO hotspot um, Tell me about, uh, yeah. about that what I mean Missouri shows up like top 10 list of UFO hotspots in America but Kansas City in particular.
2: Yeah, we seem to be the hotspot in the state, uh, depending on the year. But uh, we're consistently having what we call flaps, where you have a large number of sightings in a short period of time. And uh, we've had one in 2011 that was huge. Uh, We had more UFO sightings during October of 2011 than any other place in the world. Um, Then we had another one in uh, 2012. 2013, 2019, we had a uh, mass signing, which was all over the city with thousands of reports going into the local media. And uh, it was decided that these three, you know, floating whatever they were or balloons or whatever were something from DARPA. However, that didn't gel out. But uh, the media took that and said, oh, it, it, it's solved and, you know, it's over with. But uh, we're still investigating that one.
0: Uh, and and uh, tell me about Lake. Is it Giacomo or Giacomo? Giacomo. Yeah. What's going on yeah. there?
2: Well, uh, that seems to be a hotspot for UFOs, uh, as well as Blue Springs Lake, which is actually connected to it. Uh, the, people see them going in and out of the lakes quite often. And uh, there's one particular researcher. Uh, his name is Wayne Lawrence. He co-authored the book Fast Movers with me. He uh, began to see objects with the naked eye, and so he started filming them and then slowing the film down. And when you slow the film down quite a bit and look at it, uh, you know, frame by frame, there are many objects going in and out of that lake. It's, it's just crazy. We think the only explanation possibly could be that there is a base under there, mm-hmm. but these objects move so fast, up to 8,000 miles an hour or, or more, that you can't see them with the naked eye normally. Um, I do simply because I use my six sense abilities, and I can see them if I want to. But um, to mo- for most people, they don't see them unless they're filmed and then you go back and look at the film later. Is it a deep lake? It's about 45 feet deep at the deepest point. But uh, the odd thing about it is we've taken a look at it from Google Earth and there are these perfectly square or rectangular structures that just don't fit anything natural. So, uh, I, you know, it could even go deeper than that, but according to, you know, our, our information that we've got publicly, it's 45 feet.
0: Um, I was reading, a an article in the, uh, well, one of the Kansas city newspapers about the U- UFO flaps and, um, You were quoted in the piece. Uh, I get the sense you're kind of frustrated with the media down there.
2: (laughs) Well, they do what they can, but, you know, actually it's frustrating to them, too, because I've gotten to know a lot of these people and they eventually come to the point where they say, look, we can't cover the story anymore. We have orders coming from above or somebody came to visit the general manager and said no more. And who that somebody is, I don't know, but we can only guess that uh, they only go to a certain point and then they don't dig any deeper. So that part of it is frustrating, but, you know, we leave it to the investigators. Let us dig it out and figure it out. But I really don't think that the general public is ever going to see anything in the paper that says this issue is solved. It was a bona fide UFO or an E.T.,
0: uh, and, and none of that changed the the uh, the attitude towards coverage changed after let's say December 2017 with that landmark piece in the New York Times about ATIP or the you know the subsequent um, hearings in Congress which were pretty historic.
2: Well, it has changed quite a bit, but uh, if you think about it, what has been released to the public by the government is still minimal. They've they're they've been just doing this gradual rollout of disclosure, where they're saying, "Oh yes, that is something we don't know about," and and you know every few months they'll come up with something new, uh, but it's a very very slow disclosure process that I think is going to be ongoing, and eventually we may get to the point where they say, "Well yeah, we've recovered something that's actually extraterrestrial." Uh, so, you know, I expect that to happen within the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it seems to be uh, two steps forward, one step back, two steps sideways. Although, yeah, let me get your thought on this, um, uh, Arrow, uh, the, um, anomalous, uh, resolution office, uh, anomalous, uh, aerial Yeah. Arrow. Resolution
2: office, right. That's it.
0: Right. Where, and, and they've interviewed, um, uh, people like Robert Salas, I believe, and Robert Hastings, and talked about UFOs uh, and incursions over nuclear sites back in the 60s, like Malmstrom uh, back in 66 or 67. Uh, pretty interesting work happening with Arrow, don't you think?
2: Yes, I do. Uh, I And I, I have more faith in that project than some others. Um, I think that this is something that had to happen. The People, you know, had to make this a little bit more public and come out with what they know, Um, because for for years and years, investigators have known about these things, but the general public hasn't, largely because of the the media cover-up and the government cover-up, because when you're being basically threatened, uh, when a couple of gentlemen come in wearing black suits... And, uh, and occasionally they look very strange and they tell you to stop doing what you're doing, uh, you're probably going to do it. Uh, but but now the climate has changed, but it has not changed completely. As investigators, we are still seeing uh, government vehicles following us on investigations and our phones are tapped and our Comcast internet is tapped. Um, cell phones, things like that. so they're still interested and, and and following us and so you know quite frankly, there are some things that I've come to know about certain cases that I don't talk about to the public uh, simply because what they do is on a certain case if they show up, that's kind of an unspoken warning in my opinion.
0: so and have, so you, you yeah. personally have received an unspoken warning.
2: Oh, many times. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, many times. I ha- I just have this knack for people wanting to contact me about their extremely bizarre cases, which a lot of times involve close encounters, abductions, ETs in their home or in their backyard. And uh, yeah, it just gets, it just, it sounds crazy, but, uh, but people seek me out because they know that I'll listen to them. And um, I will listen to their story, and I'm not I'm not going to make fun of them at all, because there's just too much of this going on. Marja K is with us,
0: the author of a number of books, including the Kansas City UFO flaps, which we were just discussing, Haunted Independence, uh, Missouri, the Remote Viewing Workbook, a Sonoma County phenomenon. We're going to uh, uh, delve into some of these in a moment, but let's let's talk about uh, your work uh, as a remote viewer. And I, I know you teach uh, a, a, an online workshop, and you've got the uh, the remote viewing workbook. Um, now I've I've dabbled in remote viewing. I'm a complete novice, and I I chalk um, some of my initial success up to maybe beginner's luck. Um, but I've had I've done you know sort of remote viewing experiments when I was guest hosting on on coast to coast, and was able to identify certain objects and so forth. And I just my method is. Again, untrained, and I just kind of sketch, and I have impressions that come to me. What, what, um, what methodology do you teach or utilize, or is it is a kind of a combination of of different methods?
2: Well, I actually came across it accidentally and taught myself how to do it when I was working on a missing persons case, and this was in the nineties, early nineties. Uh, I. Did psychic readings for people. I've always been psychic since I was very, very young. And um, this, I came about this in a very strange way. This group of ladies used to come visit me were uh, attorneys and uh, their legal assistants. And one day, so I knew them very well. One day, one of them called me and said that her niece had, had was missing and didn't come home from the bus stop. And it had been about four hours uh, prior. She wanted to know if I could help find her. And so I thought, how am I going to find this girl? Because I'd never done anything like that before. I'd only just scanned people and you know read them personally. And all of a sudden, this line came out of my solar plexus, and I followed it. And I ended up standing on a street corner, and I saw these two street signs, and I, so I asked the lady, I'm on the phone with her as, you know, does this make any sense to you? She goes, that is her bus stop. I said, okay. Um, so then the line went across the street. I followed it, went in a couple houses down and I see this golden glow around a house. So I knew I was in the right spot and all of a sudden I'm rising up off the ground. And and by the way, I could feel the ground. I could see everything just like a like it was I was actually standing there okay feel the breeze everything and what I I figured out later what I was doing was using my etheric body to travel and that's how, why it came out of my solar plexus but anyway um all of a sudden I'm floating up above I go into the back yard and there's a shed and I just float down and all of a sudden there's no roof anymore and I can see down inside the shed And here's a girl, 14 years old, she's tied up, she's got duct tape on her mouth, and she's asleep, obviously drugged. So I'm telling this gal on the phone what I'm seeing, and I gave her the address. I could see very clearly the address and what the house looked like. So I thought, well, I'm going to look inside the house and see who's in there. So I did that. And I'm looking down and I see a woman with long, blonde, stringy hair in her 30s sitting on a couch. And she says, that's the woman who made friends with this girl. And everybody thought it was very strange for a 30-year-old woman to make friends with a 14-year-old girl over a period of months. And then there were also two men there and they were drinking beer and they had drug paraphernalia out. And they were talking about how they were going to make $10,000 by selling this girl in the morning. So I told her that and I said, you need to go now. And evidently they had already been to the house with the police, but they only spoke to the woman at the door and they did not go in their house. So the woman went back. She called the detective that was working the case and he went with her, even though he didn't want her to go. They found the girl in the back were able to rescue her and then arrest the three people. So that was my first introduction to remote viewing.
0: Wow, that's quite an introduction. My word.
2: Yeah, and uh, I just basically learned it myself. But if you want to hear an even stranger story, my remote viewing abilities were enhanced in 1985 by an extraterrestrial by the name of Valiant Thor.
0: Ah, well, we know that name, don't we, Valiant Thor? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, he appeared to me. I didn't know who he was. He appeared to me as a head on the wall. He said, now you have x-ray vision. After he did a light experiment with me with the red light and the green light, what that did was activated something in my brain. And so he said, now you have x-ray vision. And then he was gone. And I I was left to figure out what that was. But I would find out later while I was re- remote viewing people, I could see inside their body, see their skeleton see their organs everything and point out where things you know there might be a problem or look for something or if something was missing i would see that it was missing and uh, i've seen all kinds of weird things i've seen organs in places where they're not supposed to be i've seen um, hearts that are halfway not working Um, and it's extremely accurate i am extremely accurate with this i would say i i don't want to say 100 but at least 98 percent um and that is that is because i that ability was enhanced by valiant thor now why he picked me to do that he told me later on that he chooses certain people to work with who have certain abilities and then he enhances them and the whole purpose of that is to help raise consciousness of the planet so what I do is because of that. Training other people how to remote view is one of them, and um, you know, and various other things as well. But also, uh, I do the radio network. I do my podcast. I do a magazine and write books, all because of Valiant Thor, because of, that's my mission here.
0: Amazing. Well, he just came up in conversation yesterday when I was uh, I was speaking with uh, Laura Eisenhower. Uh, and of course, Valiant Thor reportedly spent some time um, at the Pentagon in, and at the White House, I guess, with uh, with President Eisenhower, Laura's great-grandfather. He did. Uh, are you in yes. communication with Valiant Thor now? Oh, yeah. Yeah?
2: Yeah. Uh, it's been a constant, and he's he's in touch with me when he wants me to do something, or if I need help, I will contact him. I know he saved my life at least three times. He's- stepped in and uh cured me instantly of life-threatening issues so uh yeah he's real he is absolutely real the film uh, stranger at the pentagon Mm -hmm. it's a short film by craig campobasso he's also a good friend of mine and uh that would give people kind of an idea what it is and then also the book stranger at the pentagon by dr frank Stranges. yes yes
0: craig's been on the show a couple of times oh good told that story yeah it's remarkable yeah uh, so can you give us i think you you point out in the in uh, in the book that if you're psychic if you have psychic abilities it's you can remote view maybe a little easier than people who don't have psychic abilities i don't think i have i don't think i ha- i'm very intuitive at all um but
2: well you have to be if you were doing any type of remote viewing. Uh, The thing is, anybody can learn it because we all have the same physiology. We all have a pineal gland, which is the center of everything. And if that is not calcified by fluoride, Mm -hmm. mainly from fluoride, if that's not calcified, and if you activate your psychic center and use it, then these things come much easier. But again, anybody can learn how to do it.
0: Can you offer maybe a couple of of, of tips from the, from the workbook?
2: Sure, I you know the number one thing that I that I tell everybody is meditation is the key to everything, because what you have to do is put your state self in a state of altered consciousness, and that is slowing things down, being very quiet, not having any distractions, and just going within and being very calm. If you do that for 10 minutes a day, that will make all the difference in the world. And then the other thing is to practice using your psychic center. You can do that in a number of ways. Dowsing is a good way to do it, um, either with a pendulum or dowsing rods. You could also uh, read cards or do energy work. Anything like that is going to just activate that psychic center and you'd be surprised after just a little bit of practice for a couple of weeks, what you're going to be able to do at, at that point and how much better you're going to be able to see. Because remote viewing, it's kind of a misnomer because you could remote view something that's right in front of you or something on Mars. And uh, when you're using the psychic center or you know telepathy, you're sending this energy out, <clears throat> this part of yourself that i believe is the etheric body some people say it's astral travel but astral travel is is more difficult um it requires the body to be asleep and then you have your consciousness staying awake and then spin up out of your body and i do that too but that's much more difficult uh remote viewing by using the etheric body is super easy to do Hmm. yeah
0: are you able to interact uh with when you remote view, um, are you able to interact or is it like l- looking at a painting, basically? Can you in- interact with your environment is what I'm trying to say.
2: I can interact with my environment. I can feel things. I can touch a leaf or whatever. <clears throat> I can hear voices and watch people. But people don't see me. However, ETs see me and so do spirits. So if I'm I, I could see you know fifth dimensional things coming in and out of our dimension i will i will easily see that and they'll see me i did uh, this was funny i um remote viewed a case for a lady who wanted to know if she had been abducted by ET, and she had all kinds of evidence that she was but she wanted confirmation and asked me to remote view it and that and that's the other thing about remote viewing you can go in the past anytime you want. So you just go to a time and place, not just a place. So I went to the time and place that she said, and I saw her on a craft. I was on the craft, described the inside of it, saw three extraterrestrials over her. She was lying on a steel table and one of them had his back to me While I was standing in that room for not more than three seconds, when he turned completely around and looked me in the eye and then stared at me for a minute as if assessing what I was there for and what I could do, and he just turned around and went back to his work. And so I got out of there real quick because then I realized they know I'm there, even in the past. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I mean, that just throws all of our ideas about time out the window.
0: Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's time travel, <laughs> remote viewing, but it's time travel. Yeah. Um, any issues with the grandfather paradox? Do you worry about that if you travel back?
2: No, because I, I don't, I don't time, I don't uh, remote view my family.
0: <laughs> ah. Uh,
2: except I will say this: I did remote view. Um, I'm a direct descendant of Henry Sinclair, the chief of the, what do they call it, Uh, the Knights Templar in Scotland. Right. And I knew that uh, they built Roslyn Chapel. And of course, all the mysteries around that. And I just wondered about it, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I did remote view when it was the foundations were being put in. And I saw... Uh, Henry Sinclair's son right up on a big horse, very fancy clothes. And there was some type of an engineer there who was in charge of the project. And he had papers laid out on a table and they were going over the design of it. And what was really odd is that there were quite a few Knights Templar soldiers in a big, huge circle around the area. Going way out to keep people out so they could not watch what was happening with the foundations. And I, so I looked and I just kind of floated above it and I saw this secret chamber going off to the right of the building and then opening up into a larger chain. So, like a little hallway and then a larger chamber. And that is where I believe they've kept their hidden treasure.
0: Ah, um, from solomon's temple
2: yes yes indeed and then i saw it leave sometime later uh in ships off of scotland and they were heading west
0: to oak island perhaps
2: yeah there and other places Margie, watch that happen
0: amazing we'll take a quick time out margie Kay is with us remote viewer ufo researcher author back with more in a moment Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the Dead Files, and what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal, but if you want more, Happy price. Got your happy price, price. line.
1: As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
0: Margie Kay is with us, coming to us from Kansas City. And uh, tell us a little bit about um, UnX the uh, radio podcast on X media.
2: Um, yeah, I have my own podcast. It's called UnX News. I've been doing that for some time. And as well as an entire network called the UnX Network. And uh, we have 32 shows on right now. They're all paranormal and alternative. And, uh, you know, various subjects from UFOs to Sasquatch to uh, astrology and paranormal, what have you. And also the Unex Magazine goes along with that. So it's a monthly magazine that's uh, digital for all months except the quarters. And in the quarters, it's also in print. And uh, subscribers can get a free digital issue.
0: Wow. You are, yeah. you are one very, very busy person. <laughs> I,
2: I, I am a busy person. Um, so I handle the magazine. Um, and then Race Hobbs is our program director he handles the shows and then i have an in-house marketing assistant who handles our marketing and but it's still it's still gotten a little bit crazy because we we grew pretty fast in the last 2 years we're coming up on our second year anniversary this month
0: On Xmedia.com. On xmedia.com the link is in the episode notes this is um i want to talk to you about this is one of the strangest cases i've ever heard of and you dedicated a book uh, about it, uh, this house in Sonoma County, California, that appears to be some kind of a um, interdimensional gateway. This woman, Natalie Roberts, has experienced and seen UFOs and ETs and ghosts and even small planets and galaxies. I mean, it, it, it's like she's got a little piece of Skinwalker's Ranch right, <laughs> right there.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. I. I I really believe, and I've remote viewed this on a number of occasions, I believe that there is a wormhole there, uh, a vortex, if you will, on that property. And she and her husband saw it quite accidentally uh, when these two balls of light came into their bedroom one day and looked around seemingly looked around and then went out the window she so she went to the window to follow them and they went to a particular tree on her property and she noticed that this tree had lights on it kind of like christmas lights so she got very curious about that and started taking pictures daytime nighttime and then she found out she could get better pictures at nighttime so over a period of years she's taken thousands and thousands of photographs 250,000, a a quarter million, wow. At least that much. And uh, all digital using about nine or 10 different cameras. And other people have, have been on site and also taken pictures. But the thing is, she has a relationship with whatever this phenomena is. She communicates with it And sends a message, would you show yourself You know, something like that? And then she takes pictures. With somebody else standing next to her taking pictures at the same time, she gets five times as many objects in her photos as the other person does. The other person, uh, let's say, is an investigator because there have been investigators out, including Jacques Vallée. And they will not get as many photos as she does. So I remote viewed it um, one day and I saw these what looked like entire galaxies come down, go, shrink down in size and go through to the other side. And I wanted to know what the heck was going on there. So I just backed off from the entire planet and I could see a wormhole going through the planet down through the other side that just happens to be where that is located. And I just knew suddenly that it these galaxies go into a say a black hole they go into it and nobody knows what's on the other side nobody knows what happens to things once they go into black holes okay but somehow i was told or just came to know that these things go in and they come out they're in another dimension on the other side So it's not just her house. It's the neighbors as well. It's a very, very large area that we're talking about. And recently she and her husband pulled up in the driveway at about dusk and they saw an opening in the sky above their house. And a UFO came through the opening and then the opening closed. So here here is another phenomena uh, where... <clears throat> that was the first time they'd seen something like that. But it lends itself to the fact that this is probably a portal or a wormhole, just like Skinwalker.
0: Interesting. And um, you you point out that it's situated um, at 38 degrees latitude. Yeah. Does that have some significance?
2: Well, I, I started noticing 37 degrees in Missouri. And then 38 and 39. And and I also noticed longitude, uh, 94 degrees longitude in, in our state. And then that extended out into Arkansas, where these major hotspots are located. UFO hotspot being Kansas City, 94, 39. Uh, Sasquatch and UFO sightings, 39, 94, etc. Mm. The Joplin Spook Light, 37, 94 so it's it's my opinion that these are energy this is an energy grid that follows the ley lines that that follow the lines of latitude and longitude and they are ley lines as well but if we go to california there is a major ley line crossing in sonoma county right where natalie lives so we also have latitude longitude and major ley line, if you, if you look at a grid map of the world on the internet, you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a lot of strange stuff happening at that site. Anything paranormal is happening there. And I think that these these major hotspots around the world are centered around these energy centers, if you will, that allow this phenomena to come in from other dimensions and then retreat.
0: Of those nearly quarter million photos that that, uh, Natalie took, uh, you've reprinted or published 80, I think 80 of the best in your book. Uh, A hundred. A hundred, excuse me. Can you, uh, I mean, people listening obviously can't see them, uh, but can you maybe describe some of the, um, what you think are some of the more remarkable photos found in your book, Sonoma County Phenomenon?
2: we've chose a hundred of real uh, of some of the best of course there are more that are really good but there are what look like spirits faces foggy apparitions craft very distinct craft shapes with uh lines and lights on them and just you know can't be anything natural it has to be something that is mechanical and then there have also been um, balls of light, super bright, very tiny, very large. Uh, it's tube-shaped objects that are very you know, very solid-looking, very bright lights. And then what look like stars look like entire galaxies as well. It's one of the craziest things I've ever had to investigate, and uh I, I'm going out there in person. Jacques Vallée said he will go with me uh, when he's in the States. Right now he's in France. So we're going to work something out. Hopefully in the spring, we'll both get out there together with some equipment. And I've got some nice new equipment that I want to try out. So such as a spectrum analyzer and things like that. I'm looking for 1.6 gigahertz.
0: Natalie and her husband aren't frightened. They're... They...
2: No, they're used to to it now. now. They've even had these uh, balls of light uh, in their house recently, but they're used to it. They're used to the high strangest. They also have things happen like their uh, water faucets in the bathroom or the outside spigots just come on by themselves. Uh, The neighbors have had that happen as well. And if they hadn't been home, there would have been a flood because these faucets going on. Um, They've had lights go off and on. So kind of Polargeist-like activity as well. But I've also noticed that that Polargeist-type activity is common when people are UFO contactees. When they have been in contact with extraterrestrials, a lot of people think that that's more paranormal. It's more on the ghostly side. I always try to keep an open mind about that because sometimes... It isn't. It's about ET. And why they do that, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if they're doing it purposely, or if they're simply, uh, it's a byproduct of whatever their transportation system is, uh, or they're coming in and out of dimensions that, you know, uh, glasses fall down and doors fly open, things like that. Um, that, that may have something to do with it. There's a, We need to do a lot more study with that.
0: Margie, will take another time out back with more of our conversation on the other side.
1: This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Follow Richard on Twitter at Richard Serrett. For show information, visit the website strangeplanet.ca. And we're back with Margie Kay. I want to
0: shift to um, another topic that you've written about winged aliens, winged humanoids. Some people refer to them as talk to me about your, your research in this, in this field and the idea that these winged things like thunderbirds or, or pterodactyls uh, or the mothman all may have sort of a common denominator.
2: Yeah. I started investigating these winged creatures in about 2011 when people I knew who were who had had ufo sightings started calling me and saying hey I saw this gigantic pterodactyl and and I know what I saw and you know this would be somebody I knew and somebody credible um and then this one particular individual kept having strange things happen and one of them was he kept seeing a mothman type creature and I think he had at least seven sightings before uh, moving away from Kansas City. He's still having them today uh, where he lives now in uh, Branson. But his descriptions were too good. And I've known him too long to think that this could have been a hoax. The He would see the creature at a distance and sometimes within 50 feet and sometimes within 10 feet. One time, I think the most dramatic sighting was over 291 Bridge going over the Missouri River. And this creature, at about 1030 at night, appeared, approached his car. As he's driving forward, it was coming towards him. He slowed the vehicle down. It hovered in front of the vehicle and had really uh, menacing red eyes, stared him down, and then flew off to the right and he said it had difficulty it looked like it had difficulty staying afloat that it was flapping its wings and was very uh, laborious and then it it disappeared he said i think it lives under the bridge i think that's its hangout well we know about the past bridge relationship with mothman
0: silver bridge yeah the
2: silver bridge the ohio bridge other sightings around bridges and also either, uh, you know, right before disasters. It's even been seen. It's was seen before the twin towers in New York. Uh, so in during research, I'm, I'm finding all this very strange stuff and no disaster happened. No bridge disaster happened, at least not yet on over the Missouri river. I just find it very odd that that is where, you know, a, a couple of those sightings were.
0: Yeah. What, do you, so, what, what is going on here? I mean, I guess we're going to speculate, but are they some kind of a harbinger, these creatures? or
2: what's I you- hesitate to say that, but I think they are also telepathic. I have another woman, and this is not in the book because it's this just happened a long-time UFO experiencer near here, had a Mothman appear to her a few weeks ago and stand right in front of her. It was interdimensional. It was see-through, transparent, but it was definitely there. She said it stayed with her for a week and then left. And she wanted to know why that happened. So I remote viewed it. I went to the site and... She had these really large wind chimes outside. And I heard this tone, this vibration. This creature was attracted to that tone, that frequency, okay? She said right before she saw it, the first time, she saw two flashes in the sky and then the creature. So I also have a theory that the flashes that people are seeing are a portal of opening and i think we can actually open portals portals ourselves and cause the flash and then that's what attracts et's people who do the ce5 i do a similar method myself i've been doing for years where you send a telepathic thought out that you want to see something and it shows up well she had been meditating and asking she was working in her garden but meditating and asking to see something well, that message got out there somehow, probably telepathically, and the frequency of those chimes attracted it. And she said it hasn't been menacing. It has not sent a message. It hasn't spoken to her. She's asked it several times. Why are you here? What do you want to tell me? Um, she has not gotten a response yet. And then it left for a couple of weeks, and then it came back again. So here we have a case where there's, nothing horrible happening. There's no disaster. And it's just there. And it seems to be interdimensional and communicating telepathically.
0: What about your case, your encounter?
2: My Thunderbird encounter? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty wild. Uh, Earlier in the day, my daughter works for me. She gave me a call just after dusk in a panic. She said she was walking out to her vehicle and she heard footsteps like chasing her behind her and she heard wings flapping. She did not turn around. She just kept going to her car, got in and locked the door. But then this very strange shape appeared in the back window and then enveloped from the back all the way to the front like wings enveloping the entire car, blacked out all of her windows. She was in a panic. She called her son, who also works for me, and he was inside the office at the time. And he looked outside the window and he saw nothing. And then the whole thing just dissolved down. It didn't fly away. Nothing. It just dissolved. She told me about that. That same evening, I went outside to my deck to meditate and something told me to open my eyes. And I looked out and I'm where I am, there's a railroad cut, and then there's trees and houses on the other side of the railroad cut. So about 150 feet away from where I was, I see this body, some kind of a amorphous shape in the tree with wings outstretched, and I mean at least 30 feet wide. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out what the heck I'm looking at when I hear a noise to my right in the in a tree that's close to me, I look up, and there are three small, like two foot tall, wing creatures with their with their uh, wings bent, closed. They're they're sitting there, but they look more like a pterodactyl type. Their wings had no feathers. Now the one that was far away from me, it looked more like it had feathers, like a thunderbird,
0: like a raptor, like a giant eagle, or.
2: Uh, yeah, kind of, except that the front of it, I couldn't tell because of the darkness. I couldn't tell the face or the or the head, just that there was a shape there. The wings, however, were just set up within, perfectly in the moonlight that I could see them. Well, I looked at those creatures, and then I turned back to look at the, the big creature, and it was just gone. There was no sound. There was no wing flapping it was just gone and then i turned back again to look at the small ones and they were just gone so i my logical conclusion is they were interdimensional creatures and i was able to see them because i'd put myself in an altered state of consciousness by meditating
0: uh that's fascinating um, do you think bigfoot is also interdimensional
2: absolutely yes i do I've had encounters with Bigfoot. I had a very strange thing happen a few years ago. I was helping this paranormal team out with a UFO investigation. They, their son had seen a Bigfoot at this location in Missouri. This paranormal team went out to investigate it. And among them were two policemen. So they knew how to investigate. They've been doing this for years. During this investigation, these balls of light appear in the trees, dance around their cameras, and then they start seeing lights in the sky. And then they're popping on, popping off. And I watched this 45-minute video that they had taken, and and it was a gigantic mothership in the sky. So we finished that investigation up. Of course, i you know working on it all the time anyway. But one day, the thought came to me, I wonder if that Sasquatch was real. So I remote viewed it at that location. And sure enough, I see a male Sasquatch with uh, black hair go up to a gigantic tree and pull some brush aside. And the underside of the tree had been dug out. And he goes down in there. And here is a female Sasquatch in labor. And she has a juvenile, a very small one standing next to her as well. And he had brought her a leaf with water in it and was giving her a drink. So I thought, okay, I'm not going to disturb this private moment. I'm I'm getting out of there. So fast forward in, uh, to another year after that, and I saw Kiwani speak. And he wrote a book called The Psychic Sasquatch. Oh, yes, yes. So I had to get that book, and I thought, okay, he's saying Sasquatch are very intelligent and that they use psychic abilities and can communicate telepathically. I thought, well, I'd like to try that with this fellow that I saw. So I did. And instantly he's standing in front of me. I said, what's your name? He said, call me Dave. Well, I got a good laugh at that because the only thing I could think of was Cheech and Chong, uh, Dave's not here. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that's not his real name, but that's what I call him. And we developed a relationship over several years. Then he introduced me to the elder of the clan, brought him to my house. They both appeared transparent in my driveway. The elder spoke to me and he was observing me and seeing if I was okay. And then he said, yes, that I had sufficient sufficiently high vibration that they could have communication with me. They introduced me to their entire clan. They introduced me to the female chief also shaman of the clan. She has worked on me several times and done healing work that has been amazing. She's uh she's fixed me overnight and you know if I had a major problem or bad pain the next morning it's gone. So they communicate, they are friendly they tell me they are more intelligent than union humans that they use more of their brains than we do they're they are interdimensional and we're never going to get capture one or get a body because when humans are around they phase out into fifth dimension and they're still standing there looking at you but you can't see them and they also told me a secret they build the structures you know with the bending the tree limbs over or making arches. Those are for the juvenile Bigfoot to phase out, to go into another dimension. The older ones can do it without that, but the younger ones can't. And so they have to walk into an arch to get out of third dimension to go to a higher dimension.
0: Wow. Remarkable. Remarkable. What's, um? I mean, what does this say about our planet and our world and who we are and all of the rest. What, is it, what does it all mean?
2: Well, I think it says we've just scratched the surface. We don't know what reality is. You know, science, science doesn't have the answers unless they're willing to go beyond standard nuts and bolts science. They've got to go into consciousness. That's the key to everything.
0: Margie, yeah. we've just scratched the, uh, the surface, but um, it's been a delight, and I hope we can do it again soon.
2: Well, thank you so much, Richard. I appreciate it.
0: Margie K, and again, the website,
1: unxmedia.com. A new Richard Serret's A Strange
2: Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.